This is an ABC News special, remembering Barbara Walters. Are you ready? We're all set? Okay, here we go. These are the honor guards who have been guarding the casket of President Kennedy. Good evening. I'm Barbara Walters, moderator of the last of the debates of 1976. Do you feel funny crossing the Bay of Pigs with an American? We would not under any circumstances think of doing this broadcast without Barbara Walters. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Peter. This is, as you have said, uh, a unique ceremony. It is unprecedented in history and has been planned primarily by the royal family, especially Prince Charles. Good evening, I'm Hugh Downs. And I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. I put the, uh, the check in, in with him in the casket. Oh, Jim. Here we go. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to make you yeah. cry. I promise I wouldn't yeah. make you cry. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. We are coming on the air with you now because our friend and colleague, a trailblazer in our industry, Barbara Walters, has died. Over the next hour, we remember Barbara's life and celebrate her remarkable body of work. She interviewed every American president since Nixon, world leaders like Sadat, Begin, Castro, Thatcher, and Gaddafi, and entertainers from Judy Garland to Fred Astaire, Michael Jackson to John Wayne. But celebrities and heads of state really were not her favorite interviews. It was those who had overcome tremendous obstacles, the paralyzed police officer, the cancer survivor. She knew the issues and personalities, but her first loyalty was to us, the audience, to the people tuning in. Barbara broke ground for female journalists, and eventually her fame rivaled or eclipsed many of the figures she questioned during a career that spanned more than five decades. We begin now with ABC's Diane Sawyer, on the life and extraordinary career of Barbara Walters. She was a reporter, a trailblazer, and a star. Are you ready? We're all set? Okay, here we go. Ready? You ready? You ready? Barbara Walters, our Barbara. Stylish, endlessly fearless, and never afraid to ask the question everyone wanted to know. You found yourself alone with Bill Clinton in the chief of staff's office and you lifted the back of your jacket and you showed the president of the United States your thong (sighs) underwear. Where did you get the nerve? I mean, who does that? (laughs) Over 60 years of broadcasting, she interviewed everybody making the headlines. There are those who would say that you add to the attention. No, I don't. Well, the masks, the... The mysterious behavior. There's no, there's no mysterious behavior. Why did you kill John Lennon? I thought by killing him, I would acquire his fame. I'm just a normal kid. Oh, Eric, you're a normal kid who killed your parents. I know. It was more than 50 years ago that she first danced into the brand new business called television. The screen was glass and so was the ceiling. And Barbara broke through both. She became the most important woman in the history of TV news. In 2008, she sat down with Charlie Gibson to talk about her memoir, Audition. I've been auditioning all my life. Almost every aspect of my professional life was an audition. Barbara Walters was born to Lou and Dina Walters near Boston. She had an older sister with special needs named Jackie. At the time, she was called retarded. She was slow. Chronologically, 
my sister was older. In truth, she was the younger sister. I resented her, yet I loved her. She made my parents, who adored her, very unhappy because they looked at this child and saw how out of things and how lonely she was. Their father was in showbiz. He owned and operated the famous Latin Quarter nightclubs. So this is 48th and Broadway to most people, but to you it is? Well, to me, it's where I grew up. The Latin Quarter was here, the biggest nightclub of its time. My father uh, owned it, ran it. This is where I spent Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays and prom nights. When I think of it now, it's a bizarre life, but at the time, I don't know. But just below the glittering surface lurked her constant fear. He was certainly talented, but he was a gambler, literally. He gambled with his fortunes. Gambling away your security. Yes. This is why I always felt that I had to work. From an early age, my nightmare was that my father was going to lose it all. After college, she decided to study speed typing, and a friend of the family helped her get her first job in television. The fact that I ended up on television, I never, ever thought that would happen. It was the early 1950s when nearly half of the homes in the country didn't even own a TV. She began off-camera as a writer at local stations in New York, working her way up to a writer's job on NBC's Today Show. I was a writer on the Today Show. They had to have one female writer. She did the tea pouring, as I call it. She did the fashion shows. She did the celebrities. But she was about to prove that there was room, even on the small screen, for a woman right beside the men. The Today Show always had one female on the air called the Today Show Girl. And when the Today Girl took a vacation, I appeared on the Today Show. And I was sent to Paris to cover the Paris fashion shows. That was my first time that I can remember being on the air. Barbara is with me right now to give us a filmed report. Would you tell me, was this a very trying experience for oh, you? Frank, it was awful. I mean, first of all, every day I had to go and look at fashion shows. Oh. And then I had to have lunch at Maxime's and drink champagne. Oh. And then I had to smell all the perfume at Dior. Oh. I mean, it was so trying that I took absolutely the very last plane I could to get back here today. Whatever the assignment, she set out to make it memorable. We're going to be talking about something very feminine right now, fashion. This year, vinyl is the most exciting new fashion fabric. It was the prevalence of pants. As the Today reporter, I did several stories. One was a day in the life of a playboy bunny. What is this bunny dip? You think you could show me? Let me try. I think I could show you. And then, her first report on a national news event. It came by chance. November 1963 the new medium of television, and the new reporter, coming of age, covering the nation's heartbreak. One group of young men kept a very special vigil. These are the honor guards who have been guarding the casket of President Kennedy. Soon after, she was included on the news team. Good morning, I'm Frank McGee and Barbara Walters is here. Frank McGee was a very good newsman. He went to the head of the network and said that I could not ask the hard news questions. They all had to be done by him. And what they finally decided to do was that he could ask four questions and then I could come in and ask one. 
if I could do the interview outside of the studio, it was mine. So I started to look for interviews outside of the studio. Mr. Secretary, this brings up one of the criticisms about you today, and that is that people say Henry Kissinger deals in excessive secrecy. Once certain stereotypes develop, it is very difficult to deal with them. This morning, we mourn the death of our dear friend and our most respected colleague, Frank McGee. He died yesterday in a New York hospital after a four-year battle with bone cancer. After the death of Frank McGee, she was given a full place at the table. I became co-host. From then on, I think up to today, the women on the morning shows are co-hosts. That's a nice legacy to have. But amid the professional success, personal disappointment. The woman fast becoming a household name secretly longed for a family of her own. I very much wanted to have a child. I had three miscarriages, and finally my husband, then Lee Goober, and I adopted a baby girl. I knew that my sister was never going to be married and have a child, and I wanted her to have part of the joy that I had. And so I named my daughter Jacqueline after my sister. ABC's Diane Sawyer only beginning our look back at the extraordinary life and career of Barbara Walters after a career that broke barriers and brought all of us to places and to people we hadn't previously experienced. Later this hour, we're going to hear some of Barbara's most memorable interviews. Next, though, that time when Barbara Walters turned the page and changed the channel. This ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters, continues after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to an ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters. Once again, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. We're celebrating the life and work of Barbara Walters. For more than five decades, it was impossible to remember a time she wasn't on television, first at NBC and then with us here at ABC. Barbara thought about a career as an actress when she graduated from Sarah Lawrence College. She ended up on television almost by accident. She broke a gender barrier at NBC's Today. And that was when the rest of the industry began to take note. ABC's Diane Sawyer picks up the story from there. By 1976, the other TV networks were tracking the success of today's female co-host. And the then last place network ABC came calling with an offer of prestige and an armored truck of money that would change her life and the business of TV news forever. Barbara Walters, who has been on the NBC Today program for 13 years, signed a contract with ABC Today. Her salary would be more than double that of the most famous anchor of the day, Walter Cronkite. Her contract for a rumored million dollars a year specifies that she'll co-anchor the ABC Evening News, among other network appearances. Barbara Walters becomes the first female evening news anchor on network television. In those days, nobody thought it was possible. Harry Reasoner. 
Barbara Walters bring you the news. I have a new colleague to welcome. Barbara? Thank you, Harry. She takes her place next to a man who made no secret she wasn't welcome. By noting that I've kept time on your stories and mine tonight, you owe me four minutes. <laughs> Harry Reasoner did not want a partner. If he was going to have a partner, he certainly didn't want me. He didn't want someone without that, quote, hard news background, and he certainly didn't want a woman. And the unhappy partnership became a national punchline. I have to shoot an arrow into Barbara Walters. Ah, you mean you're making her fall in love with Harry Reasoner? No. Harry just paid me to shoot her. Just didn't care. Thank you. you. It's nice to see you. The woman with the money and audacity got the blame. We're a terrible failure. I remember reading the headline in one of the papers, Barbara Walters' failure. But through it all, she kept moving forward. She became the first female TV journalist to moderate a presidential debate. Good evening. I'm Barbara Walters, moderator of the last of the debates of 1976. And she kept doing those interviews that made big news. I interviewed Fidel Castro and spent almost a week with him. Do you feel funny crossing the Bay of Pigs with an American? With friends, America. With friend, America. American, American friends, yes. Friendship relation. It's a friendly relation. Mm-hmm. Also, I spent a great deal of time in the Middle East and did the first and almost the only interview that uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Menachem Begin, did with President Anwar Sadat of Egypt. They had never talked together before until this interview. There might be a ray of light. There might be some concession. There might be a somewhat different position down the road. <laughs> uh, you are always like this, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to watch everything. Uh, well, uh, uh, this is what people are going to be asking of Politics can, can't be conducted like this. Like <laughs> I have to keep trying. Off screen, there was private heartache. I thought I was drowning without a life preserver. The worst period in my life. I was a failure. I was a flop. Harry didn't like me. It was painful to work there. People didn't take me seriously. Who was I from the Today Show, for heaven's sakes? No newspaper experience? A gimmick? Her big breakthrough moment on the evening news was coming to an end. I thought, I'm going to get fired. And it was only when a genius named Rune Ollage came in from ABC Sports to head ABC News and bet on me. And he sent Harry back to CBS and made me a roving reporter. With trademark 1,000-watt ambition and imagination, she was looking ahead. The most important thing, almost, I think, is to fail at some point so when you work your way back, you can say, hey, it wasn't all luck. Countdown. She had already begun those signature primetime specials, creating something new and even more powerful. The Barbara Walters Special. First one had Barbara Streisand and her then boyfriend, and President elect and Mrs. Jimmy Carter. I don't know how to ask this, so I'll just ask it. But do you sleep in a double bed or twin bed? Double bed. Double bed. Oh, is it? Sometimes we sleep in a single bed bed, so much more comfortable than a double bed. <laughs> I don't know whether you want to go on anymore, but I'm done. <laughs> the specials saved my life. 
because they took on a role of their own. People like them. Good evening, I'm Hugh Downs. And I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. At the helm with Hugh Downs, she built 2020 into a destination, an event, which would become her home for the next 25 years. ABC News Magazine. 2020. And she broke yet another record with the most watched television news interview of all time. Did you ever tell Bill Clinton that you were in love with him? Yes. You did. What did he say? He said that means a lot to me. Did he ever tell you that he was in love with you? No. During those weeks, did you ever say to yourself, I'm doing something wrong? This is, this is bad for the president. This is bad for the country. Did you ever think about that? I... Now with everything that's happened, it, I feel bad that I didn't, but I didn't at that time. I was enamored with him and I was excited and I was enjoying it. It seemed there was no question she wouldn't ask. There was a question that I wanted to ask Vladimir Putin. I put it in as my very last question. I'm going to ask you a terrible question. Did you ever order anyone killed? Yet. Are you sorry you didn't burn the tapes? Yes, I think so, because they were private conversations subject to misinterpretation, as we have all seen. Whether ex-presidents, sitting presidents, or future presidents, none escaped the probing queries. Shall we begin the torture? <laughs> yes, that's why we chose you. Are you sorry that you ever said, read my lips, no new tactic? Did you really say you were sorry you didn't inhale? What I've said, what I said was that I was trying to say that I actually tried. I was not trying to exonerate myself when I said I didn't inhale, that I had an allergy and couldn't do it. The U.S. Civil Rights Commission has called the elections in Florida a disaster. Why, because the wrong person won? <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but that's what they said. What do you say to the people who feel that you didn't win the election, but that the Supreme Court handed it to you? I say that they didn't watch the recounts. Every time they recounted, I won. It's hard to sit opposite you, Mr. President, and say this, but a lot of the criticism is personal. Um, people just don't think you're trustworthy. Well, I don't think that's true, Barbara. The, the, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I got reelected in part because people did think I was trustworthy and they knew I was working on their behalf. What words would you use to describe Donald Trump? I'll be a unifier. I think I'll bring people together. And that includes blacks and whites and everything. I think people will come together. Even the first ladies came to talk. How many pills were you taking at that point, do you think? As I recollect, I think it was 25 or 30 pills a day. Maybe a nightcap before I went to bed and then take uh, sleeping pills. Not just interviews, also at the center of breaking news coverage for close to four decades on ABC. We would not under any circumstances think of doing this broadcast without Barbara Walters. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Peter. This is, as you have said, uh, a unique ceremony. It is unprecedented in history and has been planned primarily by the royal family, especially Prince Charles, by the Spencer family, and by the Prime Minister, who, as soon as the accident was over last Sunday, one day after the accident, said that it should be a national event that would envelop as much as possible her personality and the people of this country. Barbara Walters reporting during the funeral of Princess Diana. 
Royals were only one part of her repertoire, there really was very little Barbara hadn't covered. But in the late 1990s, something was still left undone. Coming up, how Barbara's vision gave voice to more women and changed forever daytime television. This ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters, continues after this. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to an ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters. Once again, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Our dear colleague here at ABC News, Barbara Walters, has died. Barbara was born in Boston. Her father, Lou, owned a chain of nightclubs that drew the biggest celebrities of the 1940s and 50s. Barbara said it made her work hard because the entertainment business was so fragile. And she said it gave her a sense that celebrities were just human beings with the same problems and insecurities as everybody else. Barbara hadn't been on television in recent years, but the television she created was memorable and lasting. By the late 1990s, it seemed Barbara had broken every barrier, interviewed every significant figure, but there was still more she wanted to do. Once again, ABC's Diane Sawyer picks up the story of Barbara's life and career. After so many decades at the top of her game, when most people would be thinking of a golden pond, Barbara Walters had one more mountain she was going to conquer, daytime television a show in which women would play groundbreaking new roles. It may be the idea she was most proud of. An executive at ABC Daytime came to Bill Getty and me and said, do you have an idea for a show? And I said, I have an idea for a show. I've always wanted to do a show with women of different generations, backgrounds and views. And in a perfect world, I'd get to join the group whenever I wanted. This is that show. We call it The View. There had not been a show with a group of people sitting together and talking unscripted. I thought it might last a year or two. Season 21. (laughs) Kicks off live right now. It's a great place to express yourself, give opinions, show the kind of person you really are. I have been married more than once, and I never wanted to get married when I did. As I want. And here in The View, I could be funny. I had women whom I could joke with. I always think of you not just as a friend or a sister, but as a lover. (laughs) And I could show good, better, and different my personality. When did you first learn about sex? Well, I didn't learn about sex until I started to do this show, and now I know more about sex than I ever wanted to know. We had a lot of controversies. We had Star Jones uh, quitting. I will not be returning as co-host next year. Star Jones' ambush announcement yesterday. Stunned viewers. She just announced she's leaving The View, but was she fired? Defend your own insinuations. I defend my thoughts. Defend your own thoughts. We had our time with Rosie O'Donnell. Politics became personal on the daytime talk show The View. The war of words between Rosie and Elizabeth. The United States Naval Fleet is here in New York City, and uh, they're trying to keep peace on The View. That's why they're here. 70 families died. What you this on 9-11? No! no. Oh, my God! So I say we had our ups and downs. We're outraged about Muslims dealing with this on 9-11. 
a historic walkout on The View. Whoopi and Joy walked off live on the air. Everybody's talking about making the Palestinians and the Israelis sit down and talk in the Middle East. We can't even get the ladies of View to sit down and talk with Bill O'Reilly. You see that today? Controversy has been a part of The View. That's why it's called The View. In 2010, Barbara shared a hot topic of her own. Later this week, I'm going to have surgery to replace one faulty heart valve. I have known of this condition for a while now, and my doctors and I have decided that this is the best time to do the surgery. And since the summer is coming up, I can take a nice vacation. The surgery went off without a hitch, but that vacation was cut short when a VIP forced her to return earlier than expected to the view. We were the first daytime talk show to have a sitting president as a guest. Look, I was trying to find a show that Michelle actually watched. (laughs) The view has shown that women can be together and enjoy each other and have the kind of conversations that you may have in the morning with a girlfriend. We want to give our kudos uh, to Barbara Walters. This is the house that Barbara Walters built. The house built brick by brick with spirit, stamina, and imagination. I have been blessed with a life I never expected. And helping me up the steps of the ladder over the years have been hundreds of people. And that house that Barbara built is still all around you. In the newswomen who know they walk in her footsteps and in her debt. You're really the reason why we're all here. You're the reason why I wanted to be in television. This is the day she retired from The View in 2014. And we all proudly stand on your shoulders, Barbara Walters, as we honor you. Please welcome Diane Sawyer, Robin Roberts, Lara Spencer. I want to be remembered in television, maybe as a creator, um, maybe as a good newswoman. No, more than being remembered, I hope that by younger women, I can help them aspire. I just want to say, this is my legacy. This is my legacy. These are my legacy. And I thank you all. ABC's Diane Sawyer with her tribute to her friend and our colleague, the late Barbara Walters. Over the years, we have asked Barbara about her most memorable moments and interviews. We'll share her answers in a moment. First, we wanted you to hear the tricks, her interview tricks. When I do an interview, I want a strong beginning and a strong ending. So in order to get that strong ending, I often ask, finish this sentence for me. Finish this sentence for me. Will Ferrell is... Funny, but but honest and devilishly handsome. That'll do it. Usher is... Here. (laughs) Anne Hathaway is... Very, very, very over-the-moon happy. Mariah Carey is... A nice girl. (laughs) Donald Trump is... A good person. Chris Christie is... A leader. Kanye West is... Black. That's the first thing that popped in my mind. Finish the sentence for me. 
Bill Gates is. Well, I think that's you know sort of an op- oversimplification for anybody to say you know somebody is just one thing. Right now, Sharon Stone is really, really tired. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Well, now that it's over, can I see your cards? We're celebrating the life and work of Barbara Walters. She interviewed everyone, but she did have her favorites. We asked her if someone had never seen or heard her work, and she could only play a few. Which interviews would she choose? We'll share with you some of those moments when we come back. This ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters, continues after this. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to an ABC News special, remembering Barbara Walters. Once again, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. We're celebrating the life and work of Barbara Walters. She interviewed everyone presidents, dictators, movie stars, but she did have her favorites. We asked her if someone had never seen or heard her work and she could only play a few, which interviews would she choose? Here's what she said One of them most moving interviews I ever did was with Christopher Reeve, the actor who had been Superman, who was paralyzed in a horseback riding accident. Before the surgery, when I first was... first coming out of, you know, consciousness. And you have the thought, maybe it's not worth everybody's trouble. And I had that thought for maybe 10 minutes. But you wanted to die. Pull the plug, whatever. Yeah, I suggest, maybe I should just check out. And Dana, my wonderful, wonderful wife, is going to say, but you're still you and I love you. You think you will walk again? I think it's very possible I'll walk again. And if you don't? Then I won't walk again. As simple as that. Either you do or you don't. See, it's like a game of cards. And if you think the game is worthwhile, Then you just play the hand you're dealt. Sometimes you get a lot of face cards, sometimes you don't. But I think the game's worthwhile, I really do. I have interviewed a lot of alleged and convicted killers. Probably none as hated as Mark David Chapman, who killed John Lennon. Why did you kill John Lennon? I thought by killing him, I would acquire his fame. Bring me back to December 8th, 1980. So I'm sitting there, and this limo pulls up. I, I heard this voice saying over and over, do it, do it, do it, do it. I guess that was me inside. And I pulled the 38 revolver out of my pocket and I fired at his back five steady shots. 
I also remember Muammar Gaddafi, the dictator of Libya. Can I ask you something very directly, which may seem rude? We read that you are unstable. We read that you are mad. <laughs> Does it make you angry? Of course, uh, it irritates me. Nevertheless, I consider or do believe that the majority of the ordinary people in the four corners of the globe do love me. I would also choose the interview with Robin Givens and her then-husband, Mike Tyson. Everywhere I went the next day, people asked me about it. You know what people write about you, say about you. You know, this is the beautiful, glamorous actress. This is a man who is a high school dropout. What did you have in common? Our honesty, our uh, sense of tradition. He was persistent. He, he came to claim me, um, and I like that. There was no prenuptial agreement. No, and why should there be? We, we got married to be together forever. N not to plan for divorce. What do you think about what Robin's saying? For this stage of my life, I do have many a millions. My wife would just have to ask for it, and she has every penny I have. She has the right to do that. She's still here. She tolerates my And I love my wife. Robin, some of the things that we've read, that he's hit you, that Mike has a very volatile temper, true? I think that there's, there's a time when he cannot control his temper, and that's frightening to me. Does he hit you? He shakes, he pushes, he, um, he swings. He, sometimes I think he's trying to scare me. There, there's, there's, there are times when, or there were times that it happened when I thought I, was, I could handle it, you know. And just recently I've become afraid. I mean, very, very much afraid. What is your greatest fear now, Robin? Probably that we won't make it. That this would have all been in vain. And like every day is a battle. Gonna win this battle? Yeah. I usually come out on top, and I plan on coming out on top again. Barbara Walters recounting her most memorable interviews. Coming up, the tears. How Barbara always made them cry. My dad used to say, you start feeling too big for your bridges, Goldie. Just go stand out there and look at that ocean. And you won't feel so big. <laughs> I put the, uh, the check in, in with him in the casket. Oh, Jim. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to make you yeah. cry. This ABC News special... Remembering Barbara Walters continues after this. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm. 
You are listening to an ABC News special, Remembering Barbara Walters. Once again, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. Barbara Walters, our longtime friend here at ABC News, has died. She left such an impression on us with all of those interviews, and almost without fail, she seemed to make everybody cry. We once asked Barbara, how'd you do that? I would ask questions about their childhood, uh, relationship with their parents. I very often ask people about their fathers and get a more emotional answer than I do if I ask about mothers. I remember Jim Carrey. Tell us the story about the check. I guess it's like six, seven years ago now. Uh, I wrote a check out to myself for $10 million for acting services rendered. And I put it in my wallet. And what happened was basically a few months ago, we did the deal for the mask for $10 million. At the height of everything, your father died. Mm -hmm. Did he know, did your father know that you'd made this kind of success? What did it mean to him? I don't. I don't think he knew the magnitude of it. He realized, you know, that I had reached my goal. In fact, I put, I put the uh, the check in in with him in the casket. Oh, Jim. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to make you yeah, cry. Damn you. I promised I wouldn't yeah. make you cry. There was also Goldie Hawn, who told me about the advice her father gave her. And my dad used to say. You start feeling too big for your bridges, Goldie. Just go stand out there and look at that ocean. And you won't feel so big. <laughs> the interviews, the reporting, the vision. After all that she accomplished, how did she do it? How does she want to be remembered? We put the questions to Barbara herself. Part of my success was luck, being there at the right time. Part of my success is hard work. I think of what Jack Benny once said, which is, if the audience likes you, that's the best thing that can happen to you. If the audience doesn't like you, there's nothing you can do about it. And I've just been blessed with this wonderful career and been accepted. I want to be remembered by my daughter as a good and loving mother. I want to be remembered by my friends as somebody who was loyal. I want to be remembered in television, maybe as a creator, um, maybe as a good newswoman. No, more than being remembered, I hope that by younger women, I can help them aspire. Barbara Walters in her own words. And her death has given us the chance to relive some of her most memorable moments and her storied career that has broken barriers for women in television and given all of us an understanding of places and people we hadn't experienced before. I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to a special presentation remembering Barbara Walters from ABC News.